Hello, Biathlon fans, and welcome back to Heartbeat, the U.S. Biathlon podcast. I'm your host, Tom Kelly. It's October already, and we have some great episodes coming up for you over the next few weeks. The preseason camp was a big success at Soldier Hollow, with athletes now wrapping things up and taking a short break before heading to Finland for a final tune-up with the season right around the corner. In this episode, we have a really fun conversation with the newest member of the U.S. biathlon team, Campbell Wright. Born in New Zealand to American parents, Campbell has already forged a stellar career, including a gold medal at the Junior World Championships last season. And while Campbell had incredible success with New Zealand, he wanted to be with a more in-depth program. So he and U.S. biathlon officials started in on a transfer of nation protocol, which was approved by the International Olympic Committee literally just a day before our interview. Campbell is an entertaining young man with a good outlook on life and sport. We'll talk about his time with the so-called refugee team made up of small nation biathletes and to his partnership with U.S. Biathlon last year and now his full membership on the national team. Now let's join Campbell Wright, who has some fun stories to share in this episode of Heartbeat. It is beautiful fall colors here in Soldier Hollow. The fall has descended upon the Wasatch. There's snow up the mountains, and we are getting ready for the season ahead. With me now on Heartbeat this week, Campbell Wright. And Campbell, welcome to Heartbeat. Glad to have you here. Cheers, Tom. Ah, good, to, good to be here. So how's camp going? You're actually here for the extended camp. You're for a month now, right? Yeah, I'm here for three weeks. So uh, yeah, pretty pretty comfortable in my hotel room by now. Like well moved in. Now there's a there's snow up in the mountains, but that's of course not what you're competing on or training on down here in the valley. But what are some of the things you're doing at this camp, and why is this camp so important in your preparation for the season? We're here for the altitude. That's the main reason we're here. So it's 1,800 meters, I think, where we're sleeping. So it's a good. It's good to like build upon before the season, get four weeks of altitude, and then go down for three because then your blood gets nice and thick, get some more red blood cells to, to carry oxygen to the muscles. So we're quicker, I think, is the idea behind it. What's a typical day at camp for you? Wake up, eat some oats, have a coffee, go train, and come back. And we have a lovely, lovely caterer who cooks us an amazing lunch, and then generally a nap, and then afternoon training, and then a little chill out. Then dinner, also by the lovely caterer, and rinse and repeat for three weeks. Beautiful. And is your training consisting of a, a blend of roller skiing, shooting, strength work? Yeah, yeah. So, so all of the above. Generally, we'll have a like a combo session of roller skiing and shooting in the morning, and then the afternoon will either be a strength or a bike or a classic or a, something else, just to change the muscles a wee bit. What's the importance of this? Uh, you talked about it a little bit with uh, being at elevation, but you're uh, we're doing this in the middle of October right now, getting towards the latter part of October pretty soon when this podcast will run. Uh, so you're just a little bit over a month out from the season now. You know What will this do to get you ready to uh, uh, kick off your season in late November? Honestly, like physiology-wise, I don't really know. I kind of just come to the training camps and they're, they're, they say altitude's good. And, and you follow the directions, right? Yeah, it's... it's it's honestly quite nice, like not really knowing what's happening. You're just like, like everyone says altitude's good, and they say we're going to altitude, and I say sweet. But um, if you if you want a better answer for that, you have to talk to one of the old boys or the coaches. I think they get it a bit more than me. But um, definitely a three week camp now is good. Okay, for the for the physiology at altitude, but also just getting all the all the team together and having good hard training sessions together, and being able to go to a place and just make biathlon your only real thing you got going on is, is a really good way to get quick, I think. So 
more from more from that way just removes everything else in your life and you can just eat sleep train how many years have you done the camp here uh well i've only been on the team two years so this is my second time it's a nice place to be for a month yeah super nice my first time here was at uh junior worlds and i had a had a splendid time there good memories at the at the lovely zermont in in utah well, congratulations on getting the nationality switch from New Zealand to the USA. I know that that is always a bit of an arduous process, but the IOC uh, making its decision to uh, uh, give you status in the USA, is that that's something that's been important to you? Yeah, but one, one, once again, that's one of those things that I don't really have to handle all that much. It kind of just got done in the background and everyone told me congratulations and I was like, I didn't really do much, but thanks, I guess. But um yeah, definitely. There was a lot of paperwork to be done that luckily I didn't have to do because USA takes care of everything. Well, it's done now and we're happy to have you on the team. Let's go back to your growing up in New Zealand. Uh, you were born in, I think you were born in Rotorua on the Northern Island. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And so just kind of tell me a little bit about your life in New Zealand and what ultimately got you on snow and got you to biathlon. Anyone who doesn't know, New Zealand's a pretty, pretty sweet place, like very nice uh, outdoors and mountains and so on and so forth. So pretty hard not to be into the outdoors. So um, I have a family of three brothers, so there's four boys. And um, of course, mum wanted us to be tired at the end of the day. So she would send us out, go tire ourselves out. And whether that was biking or running or playing rugby or all of the other things that, I don't know, the great outdoors brings. So I always was sporty, come from a sporty family. And the the skiing part in particular was just quite by coincidence when we moved down to the south island our neighbors parents started the cross-country skiing field so obviously when you move to a new town you introduce yourself to the neighbors and they had kids who are our age and the person who started up the cross-country skiing field in new zealand started up the snow farm she was actually the one who took me skiing for the first time she, she took me up snow farm for the first time and she also took me to my first international race in australia just me and her went over to the joey hopper how old were you then I have no idea. Would have been pretty pretty young. You're young though. Yeah, yeah. I would have been pretty young, probably like maybe I want to say like eleven. So she took me over to do that, and then she also helped set up my first exchange to the Northern Hemisphere. So she set up one one Canadian guy called Finn Dodgson came down and stayed with me, and then I went up to his house in Ontario and did, did the winter there. So um, honestly, yeah, a lot a lot to owe to her for getting me into it. Yeah, she really just like held held my hand along every every step of the way and put me on the path I'm on now, which is sweet. What's her name? Uh, Mary Lee. Yeah. Lots of credit to Mary Lee. You know, when you, you know, I think with any athlete, when you ultimately have a stop to, or can take a little bit of a break and look back, I mean, there's going to be those individuals who were really influential in your career. I mean, without yeah. her, you know, you wouldn't be here today. Yeah. You have a gold medal, uh, uh, all sorts of things. Yeah. I don't know. Probably just be a dentist or something. Well, or, there's or, nothing wrong with that, though, <laughs> but uh <laughs> Uh, so what prompted the family move down to uh, the South Island? Uh, I don't really know. I was eight at the time, so you don't really know much of what's happening when you're eight. So I kind of just went and then, yeah, I think it was just like lifestyle. Wanaka is a beautiful place. If anyone's been there, they would see why someone wants to move there. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's I, th I think that was the main reason. I haven't really asked my parents, to be honest, but. Yeah, maybe I'll do that after this. It'll come out in the film someday. Oh, yeah. yeah. Undoubtedly. And were you competing in biathlon at that point or just cross-country? I was pretty cross-country specific. I actually didn't really like biathlon all that much. Even when I was like through to like 14, I was a lot more just like, I'm a skier. I like skiing. I'm, I'm good at skiing. 
I did a few national champs and whatever and just like missed 10 out of 10 and was like, yeah, I'm a bit rubbish at this. Not much point in me doing it. But uh, nah, the biathlon didn't come until a bit later, probably till I turned like 15 is probably when I started shooting and actually taking it a bit more serious. When you, you, you were talking to me earlier about when you were young, uh, did you have an opportunity to shoot a gun and just uh, get accustomed to marksmanship a little bit? I grew up on a on a farm. As you do, you shoot rabbits and you shoot, shoot like a shotgun, shoot clay birds and stuff. So shooting definitely wasn't a new thing to me. And at Snow Farm, they have a range and you go up on the Sunday club day and shoot a gun for an hour. And I was definitely familiar with guns and uh, new biathlon was a thing, but just didn't really have much interest in it until I joined a biathlon team and said I wasn't a biathlete and then realized that means they just leave you at the hostel when everyone goes to a race. And then I was like, oh, I should probably just say I'm a biathlete so I can actually like race when I'm in Europe and not just train. But um, yeah, so that's kind of how the, the biathlon came about. It was a bit more of a about the situation I was in. And what was the biathlon team? I call it the refugee camp. I don't know if I'm allowed to call it that. But um, it's a, a bunch of the non-typical winter sport countries made like a, yeah, like a biathlon team. So we were training with Brazil, Argentina, Chile, Spain, Ireland, Australia, and New Zealand. So a pretty, pretty mixed bag of, of nationalities. And uh, there wasn't really something like that in cross-country skiing that I had the opportunity to join. If you're only welcome in one spot, you just end up going and doing that instead of cross-country skiing. Do you stay in touch with any of those guys? Oh, yeah, yeah, big time, big time. So Emil Bormetti, the assistant coach of national team at the moment, he did his first year of coaching the first year I joined that group. So, yeah, Emil is a big one. The Span the Spaniard, Roberto Piqueras Garcia, he still races every now and then. He's so someone who helps me keep my head on my shoulders, that's for sure. It's and important. Then, yeah, yeah, big time, big time. And also, yeah, a few of the Brazilians and Australians, so... No, it's pretty pretty sweet. I'm going to give a shout-out to also Mateus because he'll get sad if I don't shout him out. He's one of the Brazilian guys who's still still keeping contact with. Shout-outs are important. Yeah, exactly. So you ended up making being named to the Youth Olympic Games team in, in 2020, skiing both in cross-country and also in biathlon. First of all, how did that, how did that come about? Were you at, at that point starting to progress in and kind of more of an organized fashion in your career? Yeah, I did one. Before that Youth Olympic, like before that Youth Olympic year, so the 2018, 2019 season, I had one good race. My, my first like actual good race where I thought, okay, I might be able to do something with biathlon if I'm not an idiot was I got third at an Alpine Cup, which is Alpine Cup, which is just like all the countries in the Alps. And I'd say it's probably one of the more competitive races as a junior. If you're not in Scandinavia, it would probably be that. Yeah, I don't know, somehow managed to make the qualification for the Youth Olympics. I think they kind of give give them away for free a wee bit, to be honest. I don't think it's too hard to... Well, maybe in New Zealand. But... Yeah, yeah, in New Zealand. And I think the IOC is pretty good about giving spots to the bad nations for the Youth Olympics because they realize it's very development-focused. So got got a spot through that. Yeah, the Youth Olympics was like the best race. I've, like That was the first race where I actually realized I wasn't bad at biathlon which is always a nice feeling well you finished fourth in the sprint sixth in the individual and you were 22nd in the cross-country sprint so that was pretty good yeah yeah so that was definitely big shock so that, that whole like two or three weeks however long i was there was definitely like i don't think very many people expected that including <laughs> including myself yeah that was a good good little confidence booster was it a motivator i mean did, did you kind of say to yourself hey there's something in this for me 
Yeah, but honestly, <laughs> the 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 real story about Youth Olympics is I left that super. I had no right to be disappointed with my results, but I left that Youth Olympics super disappointed with what I like. Getting fourth in the sprint by three seconds was honestly pretty pretty heartbreaking for young Campbell. A hard rock to sit on for a year, just fourth by three seconds, and I think that kind of gave me a whole lot of motivation to train and not get fourth again. I'm sure you thought about this a lot, but what was the difference between fourth and a medal? Was it one shot? Was it a little bit of time in cross country? What what would have made the difference for you in that? <sighs> yeah, on that day in particular, I just blew up quite dramatically. I quite like blowing up. So um, yeah, just had a real rough last K and lost like 20 seconds. So that that was the difference. But I think the main difference between the flowers that I've got in the past at youth youth and junior worlds compared to winning them this previous year because i've had the ability to win junior worlds i think for the last probably three years i've had the ability to do do a good race there but i've never been able to quite do it and i think that's because i honestly think it's just because having training partners i was never really used to like i had training partners but having a bunch of guys your own age shooting with you every single training session definitely puts you at ease when you're shooting in the big moments and also falling over the years before in the shootings like 0002 the the year before in soldier hollow to to miss out on winning that race was also sucked quite a lot but um i think joining the u.s and training with the u.s for that year really helped me just because the training environment every day day in day out at camps like the one i'm on now where you're just with a group of motivated guys who are always showing up, always always shooting good, always shooting fast, always skiing well. Makes you a little bit more comfy when you actually are in the, in the race. We're, we're going to get into this more a little bit later, but I want to touch on this since you're down the road on it. But it's that that being together and having people to compete against who are, who are good, who are really world-class, and you've got that now with the U.S. team. That's really hugely impactful, isn't it? Oh, yeah, massively, massively. But not even in the in the – Oh, I'm going to be able to go harder in this training session because there's someone. Because I don't, I don't really fully believe in that. I think, I think I have the ability to go hard by myself. But I think maybe them being like, oh, maybe you're going too hard in this training session, or being able to come back and talk, talk with the guys at lunch, or having just people on the exact same journey that you're on, and having the same problems, having the same. I don't know that that everyone's living my life pretty much, and it's su- super nice to have someone to talk to about that type of stuff. It makes the mental side easier in that regard. You eventually made your way onto the IBU Cup and into the World Cup, and I imagine that both of those were pretty big eye-openers for you. Yeah, definitely. My, I remember my first IBU Cup, I was just going into it expecting to get rolled. I've had a few races in my career where I think I just surprised everyone, including myself, and um, one that sticks out in my mind quite a lot is the the fifth at the IBU Cup in Arbor. I think I was 18, and it was my first ever IBU Cup did the two sprints before and when I got the fifth I was like oh I, I don't know I don't even know what to think I kind of thought it was like not real I, I don't know how many more times in my career it's going to happen where I just completely overperform my expectations by like a lot but it's definitely happened a few times in my career Youth Olympic being one and then IBU Cup being another and then World Cup with the 15th be, being another time where I'm just like don't really know how I did that but just not going to question it and be happy with the result. You know, and you know the the, the overperforming though. Your goals are going to go higher. You know, your expectations on yourself are going to go higher. So yeah, you know, it's going to be tougher to reach that. Uh, scoring points as a teenager that was a big deal in the World Cup. Yeah, I think I think I'm the second youngest. Second. 
yeah, behind good old Beyond Darling. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty sweet. I had the opportunity to be the youngest the year before, but didn't really have it in me, I don't think. But, um, yeah, no, that was, that, was, that was definitely sweet. I think that helped the New Zealand selectors kind of realise that biathlon is not a sport you're good at when you're 16, like freestyle skiing. So I think that little fun fact made New Zealand Olympic Committee think like, oh, maybe we need to change the, the criteria for biathlon because it's not freestyle skiing. Yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of people miss that because you there's so much in this sport that you have to learn and experience that it's really difficult to do that at 17 years old. Yeah, 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 it's tough. But especially because in New Zealand, not a lot of people know about cross-country skiing, biathlon. We're, we're big into the flippy sports. So I think when they wrote the criteria, they legit copy and pasted top six. And it's top 16 because the top 16 make the finals and like half pipe. So that's why my qualification was also top 16. I love that. That is wild. Yeah. Um, Olympic experience. You went to Beijing, kind of an unusual Olympics, but what was that like for you? Yeah, I, I don't know. It was kind of kind of weird, to be honest. <laughs> going to an Olympics, you can't really know what to expect unless you've done one. And now now I've done one, going into the next one, I still don't know what to expect at a re- real Olympics because everyone says that one was not legit and I don't know. It, it, it'll be different this yeah, next it, time. It, yes. it will be different. But definitely going to the Olympics didn't really change all that much for me because it wasn't really a goal of mine. I just figured it was unattainable top top 16 at world cup i was like oh yeah okay whatever i'm young i don't need to go to the olympics just focus on junior worlds and also because of all the quarantine and masks and this and that and all the rest of it i think i had i had a lot more fun at junior world champs in soldier hollow like the the following week so um yeah definitely was a strange experience good experience to to learn from and like develop as an athlete i think in that regard was super important to see what the what the biggest stage in sport is but yeah Definitely like, wasn't really on my mind at all going to the Olympics, and it kind of just came as a bonus. So when you went to Kazakhstan last year for Junior World Championships and helped me, was that your that was your last one as a junior eligible? Uh, no, nah, I'm still junior. You still year. are junior yeah, eligible. I'm still junior. So when you went to Kazakhstan last year, you had some experience under your belt in that event. You had some near misses. Yeah. Did you have big expectations on yourself going there? Yeah, I think anyone who knows me well enough, Everyone who knows me knows I was going to go to the U.S. the next year because the, the training was sweet and I'd already seen enough by that point to know that I wanted to compete and train with the U.S. team. So that was really my last shot to get a medal for New Zealand and I, I knew that and everyone else also knew that. It was definitely try to win a medal or it would just be like a disaster type type thing. For, fourth and 40th would have had the same weight in my book. But you had a good day. Yeah, I had a good day. You had so, a good day. Yeah, so that's good. <laughs> it's always nice when you have a good day. And Maxime had a good day that same day, right? Yeah, same day. Got to got to share the podium with Max, which was just mega. Because we talked about it a lot. Because also he had, like, I don't know, I think any athlete that's somewhat competitive going to a championship race has big expectations on themselves. So me and Max had talked about Junior Worlds a lot in the trainings that year, that summer, at this camp, this time last year. It was um. Definitely at the forefront of our minds. And after the individual, like the first race, me and Max definitely re- didn't really do what we wanted to do. And we both knew that. All the coaches knew. A- everyone everyone knew we had bigger goals than what we did. So that sprint was kind of like, okay, today we need to just do something or else there's not much point of us being in Kazakh. I think, I think it shows a lot about Max as an athlete and also gives me a lot of confidence knowing that when it is crunch time, me and Max have the ability to, to – 
pull it out of the bag, which is nice. This was a junior world championship. You're moving up now to the bigger leagues. That gold medal winning experience, though, that's going to go with you, isn't it? That's going to be a little experience for you to have in the back of your mind to pull out when you need it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I remember in Soldier Hollow, I was also shooting for the win in the individual, and I, I missed two in that instance. And going into the uh, the final shooting, I knew I was shooting for a medal again in Kazakh because I had faster ski time and went clear. So I was just like, okay, going into that, I was like, you've been here before? Just don't do what you did last time. So um, no, definitely it gives you a bit more tools in the tool belt to, to help with the next time you find yourself in that situation. We're with Campbell right here on Heartbeat. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back here to Soldier Hollow. In each episode, Heartbeat brings you insightful stories about one of the most exhilarating of all Olympic sports. U.S. Biathlon thanks each of its sponsors that help us bring you each and every episode of the Heartbeat podcast. Maloya is the official apparel provider of U.S. Biathlon. Thanks to Maloya, our team is outfitted in high-quality, beautiful apparel and race gear. Not only does the U.S. Biathlon team stand out, but we race in comfortable, breathable suits that inspire confidence. Check it out at MaloyaClothing.com. As an official sponsor of U.S. Biathlon, Aarons is committed to supporting the growth of the sport in the USA. The so-called King of Snow is a global leader in snow removal equipment that keeps facilities and courses clear for training and competition. The Aarons Nordic Center in Brilliant, Wisconsin is an official U.S. Biathlon National Training Center, further proving Aarons' commitment to growing biathlon in America. You can learn more at AaronsNordic.com. As the official education partner of U.S. Biathlon, Paul Smith's College takes pride in the programs that it has established to offer athletes a college education and sports-specific training, all nestled in New York's Adirondacks. Its reputation and standing as a college aligns with U.S. Biathlon's goals to support collegiate biathletes as they strive for both academic and athletic success. From an outstanding trail network to its eight-point biathlon range, Paul Smith's College is a great environment for athletes who want a small college located in a sports-centric region. To learn more, go to paulsmithsbobcats.com. Now let's get back to this episode of Heartbeat. And we're back on Heartbeat with Campbell right here at Soldier Hollow, the final preseason camp for the U.S. Biathlon national team. Let's talk about the the move to America and joining up with the U.S. team. And you'd been training with the U.S. team for a few years now, right? Only last season. So I did one one year like being on the team, but not really. Like a shadow member, I think is maybe a way to say it. But uh, yeah, had had one year of training with the team before. And what were some of the things you were looking for in this relationship? What did you see? I mean, you had the opportunity to do this. What were some of the assets that you saw that you thought could could really help boost your career? Just having a bunch of people at a similar level to me and having pretty similar goals of not really going to be happy with just being 40th on the World Cup, but a bunch of guys who, who want more and uh, have the potential to, to go faster. Because I think the teammates we have – or I have at the moment, I'm super lucky to have because all of them are young, talented, motivated. And and the the old guard, I guess you could call it on the team, also super motivated still. Like, I know it's quite inspiring to see them still motivated when they're 30. I know 30 is not so old, you don't have a foot in the grave, but it's just it's just a really good group of dudes. And there's also really great leadership from the, the, the coaches aspect. I really 
have a lot of respect for the coaches and think they know what they're talking about. So that always makes it easier. And what do you what do you see with any good partnership? All parties provide something into the mix. What are the elements, uh, Campbell, that you see that you provide into this program to maybe help motivate others or ideas and concepts that you bring? What do you bring to this uh, to this partnership? Uh, well, I, I take a qualification spot. I don't know how many people are super super happy about that, but I think the more competitive boys that there are, the just the the better everyone gets. Everyone's already motivated. To the moon and back so i don't know if they can get more from from me being here but um i think i also bring different mentality different mindset around what it means to be a professional or what what i think it takes to be good is definitely different to what some people on the team will, will think because coming from the refugee team i had pretty good results with with not a lot so i'm a real like keep it simple meat and potatoes type of athlete i don't really think about anything too much or let let things get complicated in my head so i think when i came here and for example an example would be like slow fire like just going to the range and focusing on precision that's something i'd never done in my biathlon career ever until i came to america and then here it's here it's a huge part of the training like the slow fire at the start of the season takes up a large portion of your time so it's um things like that where maybe i can just bring a bit of a different perspective on some things, whether that's good or bad, I don't know, but I don't know. I like to think it's a good thing. No, I think it's, I think it is a good thing. As we, as we look at the season ahead, what's, what's your competition plan right now going into the season? Uh, I only really know the first one. <laughs> I'm, I've pre-qualified for the world cup in Ostersund, And after that, I don't know if I'm bad, I'll go to IBU cup. And if I'm not, okay, not bad, bad's not the right word, but if I'm not competitive on world cup, I'll go to IBU cup. And then I don't really know. With the U.S., I think with the men's team we have at the moment, no one's really super locked into where they're going or what they're doing. It's, it's. I think they'll send the best people to the to the best races, and wherever I am is where I'll be. You have an opportunity to come back here to Soldier Hollow for the uh, World Cup uh, in March. Uh, what's your motivation to get back here and compete in front of your new home country? Definitely competing in front of the home country thing. Something I'm gonna have to adjust to doesn't really sound 100% authentic coming off my off my lips but um I I'm super excited for the men's relay at that race I was looking at the schedule two days ago and realized they had a men's relay there and I think being a part of the men's relay team the U.S. men's relay team in U.S. World Cup will just be mega I reckon that'll be sweet should be a good event yeah should be should be a good event we're going to move in now into our final section. I call this On Target. Just a series of fun questions to wrap it up. You know, first thing I want to know is what's uh, what tunes are on your playlist right now? What tunes are on my playlist? Yeah. Well, my, my playlist is pretty sad boy oriented at the moment. I don't really know why, but uh, what tunes are on my playlist? A bit of Joji, a bit of 9 to 5 by Dolly Parton. That's not really that sad, but um, I don't know, a bit of, a bit of everything. How'd, how'd you get Dolly Parton in there? I don't know. Max played it in the van and I liked it, so I added it to my playlist. Okay, Max, it's on you now, buddy. Um, favorite biathlon venue? You've been around a little bit now. Have you kind of formulated a favorite venue you like? Yeah, Anholtz. Yeah, I love it there. You've been to Anholtz? Yeah, yeah. Like I think it's good course. I like altitude. So, yeah, absolutely gorgeous. Oh, no, I take that back. Le Grand Bonnard. Le Grand Bonnard is sweet. Big fan of Le Grand Bonnard. It's beautiful. How about something unique that you can do in New Zealand that you can't do in America? Uh, ski in summer. Well, <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So I know it's our winter, but. And, and what's, what's one thing that you really love about being in America? Honestly, I just love the, the aggressive 
patriotism and cowboy hats. Those are the two things I love. You like, like cowboy hats. Awesome. That's a great answer. Final one. One word, What just one word, what does biathlon mean to you? This is the one that people take a long time on. He's sitting back in the chair thinking about this. I want to do like a saying, like biathlon like busts your balls, but I don't know if there's one word. We'll just say it is. Yeah, it's good we'll enough. say it is. Yeah, just like bust your balls. Love it. Gamble Wright, thanks for joining us on Heartbeat. All the best to you this season. Cheers. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Campbell Wright. Watch for him this season and come on out to Soldier Hollow this March for the IBU World Cup. We have some great episodes coming up on Heartbeat. Next on tap will be a season preview from High Performance Director Lowell Bailey. And then we'll probe into the full ban on fluorocarbons that goes into effect this year, talking to veteran head coach and ski technician Fede Fontana. Heartbeat is brought to you by U.S. Biathlon and its dedicated team of sponsors. A special thanks to Aaron's, the King of Snow, Maloya, outfitting the U.S. Biathlon team, and Paul Smith's College, offering education and sport training in the heart of New York's Olympic region. And a shout out to all of the U.S. Biathlon sponsors, including Maloya, Aaron's, Paul Smith's College, Auto Aider, Lapua Ammunition, Rain, Pure Mountain Spring Water, and Polar Beverages. That's it for this episode of Heartbeat. If you can, give us a review or hit the favorite button so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes as we continue to tell the stories of the people behind U.S. Biathlon. I'm Tom Kelly, your host for Heartbeat, the U.S. Biathlon podcast. We'll see you soon.